Welcome. You're listening to Shepherds of Grace. This is a monthly recording from the Elders of Grace Bible Church, which covers various topics related to Scripture, the Christian life, culture, the family, ethics, and more. It is designed to supplement the shepherding ministry of Grace Bible Church by exposing the church to the teaching and counsel of all our elders who each have different insights, giftedness, and passions within the body of Christ. Please enjoy. Chapter 16, there's a story of the rich man and Lazarus. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they will not come, also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Now in Hades, whatever the motivation of the rich man was to be relieved of his circumstances, or to go back to his brothers himself and warn them, his treatment of the law and the testimony of the prophets was evidenced by what happened at his own gate before leaving this earthly realm. The judgment is clear and to the point by the words of Abraham. They have Moses and the prophets, just as you had, it was implied. Let them hear them. God's revelation is twofold and explained clearly in Psalm chapter 1. Salvation to some and eternal judgment to those who do not heed its truth. I want to compare this to a similar passage later in Luke chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood there near, near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, 
and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the leaven and to all the rest. Also recorded in Mark chapter 16, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Now you may be asking how these passages of the resurrection of Jesus compared to the narrative given by Jesus about the rich man and Lazarus. I want to focus specifically on the words, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. In today's world, what is facing us, and especially facing our children, as they venture into the avenues of society, are many so-called experts and voices of reason. False teachers and theologians bring subtle arguments that question the very foundation of Scripture by creating doubt about the inerrancy, efficacy, and holiness of God's Word. Placing themselves above Scripture, they propose simple arguments to shift our foundation and bring us to question if what the Bible speaks is true. This form of argument comes from the very beginning when the serpent questioned the law of God regarding the forbidden tree in the middle of the garden. The heretical argument will not come with bells and whistles announcing its intent, but will be ever so subtle with an attempt to draw us and our children into false thinking, such as making the statement that, quote, not all parts of scripture can be seen as equal to its effectiveness, historicity, and personal benefit. Already the focus is to place oneself above scripture as the determiner of its truthfulness for things necessary to our life. The next step may be to bring in a portion of scripture, for example, like this about the stone being rolled away as recorded in the resurrection of Jesus. They may present a question like, was it necessary that the stone be rolled away for Jesus to leave the tomb? Or could Jesus have exited the tomb and presented himself without the need for the stone to be rolled away? And the design of the argument is to get us to say yes and agree with the tenets of their argument. Notice the argument does not go directly against inerrancy or inspiration of Scripture, but attempts to entice our desire to follow their full analysis of Scripture. And then the idea will be presented that the important part of this passage is to focus on the resurrection of Jesus and then downplay the recording in God's Word when it mentions the stone being rolled away. The argument given is to prove to us that the stone was rolled away is of secondary importance and unnecessary for the effectiveness, historicity, and personal benefit. Immediately, we are being charged with the thought of higher scripture and lower scripture. All this is meant to lead us to the question, can we trust the word of God? And is all scripture truly inspired by God as noted in 2 Timothy 3 and uh, 2 Peter 1 and other areas of the Bible? Immediately we should ask, who put this person in charge of God's word? But a good student of the Bible will stop listening to man and examine this passage and see that such an argument does not hold weight. As parents and spiritual leaders, we need to not just teach our children the word of God, if we even do that much, 
but also to trust the Word of God and why we trust the Word of God. So many times we hear parents worried that their children have left home and someone has steered them away from the church when, in fact, parents have created them to be fertile soils for doubt and misconceptions of biblical truths by not grounding them both in the immovable foundation of doctrine and the trustworthy application of that doctrine to the events of our lives. I'm not saying that children are not born sinners, born to wander, nor am I saying that children or parenting comes with a guarantee. But we need to consider our obedience, or that lack thereof, in following God's command for parenting. We need to grasp some events that God has put in life for us to see how his word applies and how he is working in this fallen world. We can hope the adversary won't plant seeds of doubt, and we make natural attempts to isolate, shelter, and hide. But if you take that approach, you don't know the craftiness of the adversary. And worse than that, you don't know the power of God's word. Back in our example of introduced heresy, it is a poor argument to focus entirely on whether Jesus could or could not leave the tomb if the stone had been rolled away, had not been rolled away, excuse me. How weak, how minimal, how earthly of an argument is this? We need to understand that all scripture is inspired and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Yes, even Leviticus. And as we see the events taking place surrounding the resurrection of Jesus, it is always helpful to remember that God is speaking to us. It is not man doing the speaking. And that being true, God is revealing something spiritual to us through his word. Perhaps it would be helpful to at least acknowledge that some of the benefit of the stone being rolled away was not to let the resurrected Son of God out into the world, but to bring fallen man into the place of his death and burial. We should listen to the testimony of the angel given on that day when the woman came to the tomb to anoint his when the women came to the tomb to anoint his body with spices recorded in Mark 16. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting the right at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. They had already been told that this was happening. The message had already been given. The words had already been spoken. The two sides of the stone represent the power of God over death and the frailness and unbelief of man. The stone itself speaks of the glory of God. This is like when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem earlier that same week and was admonished by the Pharisees to rebuke his disciples for declaring him the king from heaven. In Luke 19, he responds, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. There's another side to the importance of this message about the stone being rolled away. The event of Jesus' death coincided with the Passover week. Not hundreds, not thousands, maybe even greater than hundreds of thousands of people witnessed the events taking place that culminated in the crucifixion of Jesus. Though the trial was improper and done intently in the middle of the night, still there were many witnesses to the trial. But his crucifixion was not done in a back room. He was not crucified on a vacant lot. 
but the king's road. Roman leaders, the Sanhedrin, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, teachers of the law, Jewish worshipers that came to celebrate this glorious event of the Passover witnessed these things. How many events over the course of our lives has God revealed himself to be God? Hundreds, thousands, millions, testimony after testimony, revelation after revelation has been given to man, has been given to us. For Abraham to say in judgment to the rich man that you and your brothers were given Moses and the prophets expounds the degree of their depravity and subsequent judgment. They were not just given the work of God in creation or the work of God in the lives of people surrounding them, they were given the very direct revelation of God through his word. Any one of the testimonies of God rejected by man would be enough to sentence us and them to eternal hell. How much more now that he has given us his son? Hebrews 10 says, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. We might even imagine that what happened to the rich man was later relived in the judgment of the high priest, Ananias and Caiaphas, after their death. And the Pharisees who cried out, Crucify him, when in Hades they called out saying, Father Abraham, we did not know he was the Messiah or Pilate and the Roman soldiers who witnessed all this and cried out from Hades. We do not know he is the son of God or the hundreds of thousands of Passover participants who witnessed all these things and still did not believe in him, though many examples of his power have been displayed. At the end of the passage in Luke 16, the rich man argues, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham's reply, if they did not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Second Timothy tells us that scripture makes us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And we are told the rejection of scripture condemns us for our unbelief. If perhaps what happened after the death of Ananias and Caiaphas, the Pharisees, Pilate, the Roman soldiers, and all others who witnessed these events surrounding the Passover, like the rich man, they questioned their own judgment. And the answer given them, the stone was rolled away. I do know this to be true. All scripture is God-breathed, and we are to tremble at his word. There is no wasted scripture. When God has stooped down to reveal something to us in either his creation his son, or in his word. We are not in the position to judge as to whether it is good, right, or useful. And since God has revealed all this to us, you can count on the fact 
that how we respond to such revelation will be a matter of glory or condemnation in the judgment to come. We are responsible for each and every revelation God has given to us, even when he tells us the stone was rolled away. Thank you for listening to this episode of Shepherds of Grace. We'll see you next time.